Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Before we dive into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know that I have created and released on YouTube a series of video called I'm Pregnant, Now What? which is available for free on YouTube on my channel Kappa with a Doula. And this series is aimed at mums, pregnant women or mums-to-be who are wanting to learn how to navigate the system. So in this series, I am taking you through the different models of care that are available for you in Australia. I'm taking you through how to navigate the system in terms of what does consent mean? What really is involved in consenting to something? How to ask questions so that you are informed in your pregnancy? I'm also taking you through the different types of questions that you might want to ask your care provider at each stage of your pregnancy, the variation of normal that exists. Obviously, we're all different size, different shape. We're all different and so are babies and so much more. So if you're pregnant, if you're expecting, if you know someone who is expecting, please tell them about this series I have created. I am really on a journey to try and empower you and moms out there to just be in charge of their pregnancy and just take control and learn how to navigate the system. So please, I would love it if you could share it, spread the word out there. It's free. It's on YouTube. I'll put the link in the show notes of this episode. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode today. The only reason why this podcast exists is because of you guys listening. So thank you so much. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's episode, Carla is taking us through her postpartum journey after the birth of her first boy and at the time she was pregnant with her second baby and she's taking us through her pregnancy and her upcoming birthing plans. If you haven't listened to last week's episode, go and have a listen to that because that's part one and Carla explains how her pregnancy and birth unfolded with her first son and this will help to make sense as to why she has decided to not birth in the hospital and to instead have a home birth this time around. In this episode, Carla takes us through her incredible breastfeeding journey from really rough beginnings when she didn't know that her son had some very severe lip and tongue tie to having them revised twice to then be able to breastfeed. And she has now been breastfeeding her son for two and a half years and intends to actually tandem feed when her baby is born. Something else that Carla takes us through is how in tune with her body she is to the point that she actually felt her ovulation and without having had a period since before the pregnancy with her first son, she conceived her second and she knew exactly that she was about to conceive. And finally, Carla takes us through the trust she has in her body for her upcoming birth and how she believes that she can birth her baby at home undisturbed and she has 
so much trust in her private midwife and she knows that she will be able to have the birth that she had envisioned the first time around. And on this note, I will leave you to listen to Carla's episode and I hope you feel inspired and you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. You are listening to Kappa with a Doula. I'm your host, Alicia, exercise physiologist and doula. And every week I chat with a mom or mom-to-be about all things pregnancy, birth and parenting. The stories you will hear in this podcast are real and sometimes raw, but they are all told without any taboo. So grab yourself a cuppa, put your earphones in, relax, and enjoy this episode. I have to get my mind in the game. Exactly, (laughs) Um, exactly, right? So you were back from the hospital, and I think we started talking about your breastfeeding journey and where it, you know, how it started, how it began. Or where it was going? Yes. So pretty much... I came home and because I, I was in the MDP program, they had a um, like they had home visits oh, uh, for the first like three weeks, and then we had to go see those midwives like for the remaining three weeks of like the first six weeks. So they yeah they came and did a couple of home visits, which was great. I didn't have any like trouble breastfeeding. Like it, he took really quickly to it. We, yeah, we didn't really have any trouble breastfeeding at the start. Didn't have any pain, no issues, anything like that. But my son had a pretty severe tongue tie and lip tie, which wasn't picked up for a fair few weeks. And then my milk started dropping pretty quickly. And then by like the fifth week, he was down to like, I guess the 13th percentile. Oh, wow. Like, and he'd gone, you know, like he was at a normal, whatever, like healthy weight, whatever the, mm. the, the normal birth weight loss was. And then, yeah, he'd lost a fair bit of weight. And so they were a bit worried about that and kind of pushed formula on to us. And I sort of thought, well, absolutely not. So I just really started like pumping a lot and trying to support my milk in any way that I could and trying to rest as much as I could. Yeah. And I started doing some meditations actually, which really, really helped me. Like they were really fantastic. Just eating, like eating good foods that were really high in fat, I also found was really helpful for me. Nice. Um, just with milk production. And then we had his lip tie and tongue tie cut by scissors, like just like the doctor cut it. Yes. And it wasn't super successful, which we obviously didn't know at the time, but it reattached. And so we had to get it revised when he was about four months old because the same sort of issues were happening when he started getting teeth. His latch changed. Everything started changing. Really, really interesting. And I noticed like a lot more issues with breastfeeding and things like that. So we went back to see the lactation consultant and she was like, yeah, have a look at this. And it was basically back to square one. So we had it done with a laser. Oh, I've never heard of a tongue tie. Amazingly. And we've had no troubles after that. I've never heard of it reattaching. reattaching. Yeah, it, yeah, but I guess it could. Obviously, if it's not done right, then I guess it, it, it actually can. Happens obviously, to a lot of people because it's it, well, it's just like a, the frenulum is like it's a piece of tissue, right? And so, yeah. like, it just grows back on to where it was because the body heals and thinks, "Hang on a second, there's a cut here. I'm going to wow. heal it back to where it was." Yeah, like I should heal this. So, um, yeah, it wasn't done super well. Um, yeah, and then it just reattached. And obviously, like, I'm not looking for it because I was like, we've had this done, you know. That's- yeah, of course. <laughs> and it was only the fact that he started getting teeth quite early that I noticed everything changing. Um, and then, you know, we had it reassessed and redone and things like that. And I'm really, really glad that we did because I'm still breastfeeding. <laughs> so, wow. 
for me that that was a big a big thing. That is amazing. Yeah. How old is your so, boy and my now? My son is nearly two and a half now. Wow, two and a, two and a half. half next month. How is breastfeeding yeah. a two and a half year old? Very, very cool, very cool journey. I actually love it. Like I, I think it's the most fantastic thing. And I was talking to a girlfriend who had a similar journey to me. Like she yeah. breastfed um, till her son was just after two. He just self weaned. He was just I'm yeah. done with this mum, and she was devastated. But um, <laughs> like I don't know. I just it's so comforting. You know, yeah. like toddlers are going through a huge range of developmental, like emotional state. They understand separation between you as a person and them as a person. Yeah. And it's something that immediately connects them and goes like, mom is here for me. And so I think that that's just something that's really like when, when everything is just too much, mm-hmm. you know, it just really, really helps settle them back into their bodies, into their lives, you know. And that's something that I really, really love. Also, pretty much he sleeps anywhere that my boob is. So um, we've never had any trouble with him sleeping. And, you know, like traveling makes it really easy, right? Yeah. Like we can go anywhere and he doesn't need a specific bed. He doesn't need a specific whatever because he just needs me. So, <laughs> so that's, yeah, it's, it's been really helpful in that sense as well. That is amazing. From, from, you know, rookie starts to, and you were obviously very determined to breastfeed and, and not introduce formula to breastfeeding for two and a half years and still going. That is insane. Are you finding it draining on your body now? Because, I mean, you know, he's two and a half and you're obviously two and a half years postpartum. How are you finding that? Honestly, I, I really don't, like I don't I don't notice it that yeah. much in terms of a problem for being draining or anything like that. Yeah. I, I always get my blood run. It's something that I have done my whole life. I always mm. check my levels. If I'm not feeling myself, yeah. I go and see a naturopath. They do some supplements for me. You know, if my energy's down, I know yeah. that, I'm obviously not looking after my food, so I make sure I do that. You know, if I'm tired, I sleep. <laughs> like I'll just go lay down and have a nap during the day or yep. like I'll make sure I have an early bedtime. You know, like I just prioritize things. And I think to me it's something that I really value um, yep. and I know it's not something that a lot of people value and that's okay. Um, mm. It's just something that I really, I really, really enjoy. And there's, I've, not, I've never once questioned stopping or weaning or anything like that. And, you know, it works for my boy and it works for me. So yep. it's a beautiful relationship that we can just keep on keeping on with until I don't know when. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I actually distinctly remember, like, you know, it was so stressful at the start for me and, like, all I wanted to do was make it to six months. And I was like, look, if I have to switch him to formula at six months and when he's eating food and stuff, that's okay, well, so be it. You know, I've, mm. I've really tried to put in as much effort and energy as, you know, into that first six months um, as I can, like getting his digestive system, you know, working and, and, and everything like that, laying down all the, the good bacteria yeah. um, and immune system. And literally got to the six months and I was like, okay, I just have to get to nine months. I just have to get to nine months. I just have to get to 12 months. And then once I got to 12 months, I was like, whatever, life is whatever. And then I was like, I just have to get to two years. Like, what a dream. And now I'm like, I just don't even know where this ends. <laughs> Let's wow. just see what happens in life. That, that is so, <laughs> so funny. I it, feel like. Yeah, um, it's really, really cool. And then. Yeah, I feel like the milestones you're describing, you know, the, oh, I want to make it to six months. I want to make it to nine and 12. I feel like they're quite common. But then usually after you pass 12 months, you kind of go, oh, well, it's been 12 months, you know, like, and, and I mean, you know, the, the other thing with breastfeeding is obviously if you're working full time, you know, it can be quite hard to obviously breastfeed 
as much as you want or, you know, on demand, basically. So I guess, you know, for some parents, sometimes the breastfeeding journey ending is also the start of them returning back to maybe activities or hobbies or doing things outside of having a toddler, maybe. But wow, that is insane. And so he's showing no signs of weaning or wanting to stop is he yeah I think a lot of like you said a lot of people do return to work around that you know six months to 12 months after their baby's born and usually it is in a full-time capacity and things like that Mm. and I I only do a small amount of part-time work and a lot of mine is at home so I have that freedom and flexibility that I've that I can continue to do what I'm doing. I think also the other thing with it is each person feels differently about it. Like they feel like they get their life back when they stop breastfeeding or maybe they want, I don't know, more closeness with their partner and they feel like, you know, touched out. Like a lot of people feel very touched out by breastfeeding because there's someone Mm. kind of constantly hanging off a section of your body. Mm. Um, As well as a lot of families expand or look at expanding you know, at 12 months or 18 months post baby or sometimes sooner, you know, each person on their own. And I think that's the other thing, obviously, like breastfeeding and not necessarily for every woman, um, but breastfeeding has a natural um, effect of prolonging, prolonging the period not coming back, right? Mm, yeah. So because of the high levels of prolactin, it messes with your your other hormonal structure um, um, system and, and they, you don't release an egg for such a period of time. Yeah. Um, that you just can't fall pregnant. So, I mean, a lot of women do decide to wean or change change what they're doing just for that, for growing their family and things like that, right? Yeah, that's right. That, that is a good point, yeah, because you can have um, uh, the name escapes me now. It's um, basically you're using breastfeeding mostly when you're exclusively breastfeeding as a form of contraception is definitely something that works for some women. It doesn't work for everyone because sometimes you breastfeed and you still fall pregnant in the early postpartum months I guess but um yeah interesting and so obviously for you the breastfeeding journey wasn't an obstacle to or it it wasn't something you had to wean off to be able to then conceive or expand the family basically I am pregnant at the moment and I am about four and a half months um but I have not had a period since having my first child oh wow did you did you conceive by chance or was it did you say, did you decide to try and see if you would conceive? I've always been pretty on the ball with my body and what it does and how I, I basically know most of the time what my body's doing when I ovulate. Yeah. So I can kind of track it. I've always been pretty like, I'm onto this. And pretty well, I thought in my head, I thought that my period would come back when he was about two years of age. And that's just yeah. because my body needed, well, he fed a lot overnight, mm. like pretty well. And he didn't sleep super well. And so having that, like my body just wasn't able to provide enough hormones to do that, to, to create an egg. I saw a naturopath maybe like when my baby was about 18 months old. Mm-hmm. And just sort of started talking to her about, hey, what can I start doing or taking just to support my body into getting an egg? Mm-hmm. At some point, you know, I'm not in any rush, whatever. I pretty much said to myself, if I haven't ovulated or my period hasn't returned by the time my son turns two and a half, mm-hmm. I will look at weaning to grow mm-hmm. my family. But in my head, I thought, oh, you know, I reckon around two because a lot of the time what happens is like, they change, they, they have different wants and needs, you know, they're not as attached to mum, they're like exploring the world a bit more, everything like this. And it really did, like, you know, he basically turned two and everything changed. Wow. And um, I fell pregnant on the first egg, which was pretty much at New Year's Eve, like just before New Year's. 
Oh. And I was like, hey, to my partner, I said, I'm pretty 100% sure I'm ovulating. I was like, I'm pretty 100% sure. <laughs> and then a couple of weeks later, I was like, guess what? I'm pregnant. I'm good. <laughs> wow. That's amazing so, yeah. that you just knew your so body I, I so well. I didn't have to wean, didn't have to change, didn't have to do anything. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. And I think actually in saying that, you know, I think that's something that's so important for women. You know, like there's a lot of people on fertility journeys. And I mean, obviously people have different things going on for them. But like, you know, from a young age, if you really learn and understand how your body works and, you know, understand what happens in your own body Mm. and how your body changes with your cycle and things like that, I think that is like the most powerful piece of information that a female can be given. You know, like they get to choose whether they want to be on a contraceptive because you know your ovulation days, there's no other way to get pregnant. You know, mm. like it's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly what your body's doing. And people that are on their, you know, fertility pregnancy journey, they're not as stressed out about doing an ovulation test every single day, you know, and tracking their temp and all these things that can become like quite stressful for them. Instead, they can sort of go, hey, my body's doing this at the moment. I know that's what it does when it releases an egg. Mm. Bang. This is, this is the time that we can focus on getting frisky. <laughs> How was your first trimester? So you basically had a, a two-year-old at that point. How did you feel? Just tired, honestly. Mm. Like I actually had very, very sore nipples, which I didn't have at all in my first pregnancy. And I was wow. like, hot oh, damn, this is a challenge. Wow. And that was that was something that was pretty challenging with breastfeeding, especially because I, I still feed my baby to sleep. Um, and like that can sometimes be, you know, like 15 minutes of feeding, which is like, a considerable time for a toddler yep. to be on a boob sometimes for people. Yeah, there was definitely moments that I was like, oh, this is just not enjoyable for me. And I think I really, I, I still never had this thought of like, I need to stop this. Mm-hmm. But on days where I just felt it was just too painful, I just explained to my toddler like, hey, babe, you can have a little bit, but I really, I can't stand it. It's really hurting me right now, you know, mm-hmm. like, and like he's very receptive. I mean, they, they have a pretty good understanding of things. Yeah, he was, he was very receptive about it. And then pretty well after the first trimester, it's gone back to normal, like in oh. terms of no pain, no no issue. And my energy levels picked up. Like there was in the first trimester, I literally fell asleep one day playing with him. I was like, oh, I'm so tired right now. I'm just going <laughs> to lay down. And then I was like five minutes later, I woke up. I was like, oh, I actually fell asleep. And I'm like, you're still walking around the room playing. I was like, I have never done that. You know, like I was so tired. I was like, wow, I'm really tired. That's that's amazing. <laughs> that was that was a lot. Did you notice your milk dropping, or I guess your your toddler doesn't feed that much, maybe? But do you think it had an impact on the supply? Yeah, I think to a point. There's definitely like obviously it changes a little bit in in pregnancy, um, and it obviously reduces as your pregnancy progresses. Mm. But his is more for comfort, not for milk. So. Yeah. I mean, and I think that's most toddlers if you're still going when they're a bit older. It, it's really more about just being on you and, mm. and the suckling rather than receiving any milk. And they're getting enough that it's a feedback. Feedback mechanisms for them keep them going. But definitely you don't feel, I mean, I always felt my letdown. So like I yeah. had that, the like I could always feel it. Some people can't, but I'm like, I know when my milk is, is mm-hmm. letting down. I mean, it's a pretty distinct feeling. And so I definitely, I have not felt that at all. So I'm like, there's definitely not a lot of milk going on in there. Yeah, interesting. And so now, so you've obviously had, you know, two and a half years to reflect on your son's birth. How did that reflection go in terms of now preparing for this upcoming birth? What did you want to do differently? And and what did, what do you want to do actually? 
so I'm having a home birth. I've got a private midwife and it wasn't even a question for me. I was like, I actually met the, the midwife the week before I fell pregnant and said, hey, I'll guarantee I'll be pregnant at the end of this year. You're free. Lock me in. Because <laughs> I just love her. Like she's just the light of my life. Yeah. So, and that was something I was really big on. I, I started like midwife shopping early because I was like, I want to fall pregnant. I want the right person. I need the right team. And I just fell in love with her. I was like, I love you. I need you. I want you. <laughs> That's amazing. Midwife shopping. I've never heard that term, but I love it. That is a great term. You can ask. Alicia, there's a very important question. Do you want to ask? What? You say it. What? What colors your roof? <laughs> It's white. It's definitely white, just like the walls. It's white. White. It's white. <laughs> what colour is your roof? It's white. Alicia's roof is white. Do you know what colour our roof is? It's cream. Oh. Cream coloured. Oh, cream is good, actually. I actually like the term midwife shopping because yep. I think it's actually, you know, like I've got some friends who had a private midwife and they actually changed, you know, oh. halfway through because it oh, wasn't yeah. the person that they thought it was. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I mean, a midwife is a midwife. Every midwife has a different belief. But, yeah, it was, I don't know, I'm, I'm a very big believer in the universe and fate and everything will work out when it yeah. should. And so, I don't know, it really, it all, it all just worked out. Everything was just kind of perfect. I met the midwife. I loved her. I had three people in mind. The first mm-hmm. one I met, I was like, I just love you. And then I fell pregnant. Yeah, like I found out two weeks later. And I told her before I told my partner. I was like, oh, hey, I'm pregnant. I'm so excited. <laughs> so my, my son and my midwife knew before my partner did, Oh, which was like really exciting for me. It also, it was really fun because I, I planned a way to tell him, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't last time. Like I just couldn't. Keep it in my, you know, like I literally yeah. peed on a fit came out. And I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. It's amazing, you know. And but this time I was like, this is exciting. Like, you know, like it's a whole different journey. Yeah. And our little boy told him, which was so cool. Oh. And like he was like, you know, it's it's beautiful. So yeah. I'm really glad that I I waited and kind of planned it out. And like my boy understood what was going on enough to explain it to his dad, yeah. which was super cool. It was a really oh. cool moment. That's amazing. Oh, wow. And so how are you preparing differently for this birth? So obviously you've got your private midwife. She's probably going to help with, you know, education and all of that. Are you doing any other birth education? Obviously breastfeeding education is pretty well sorted by now, I guess. Meditation, hypnobirthing, are you doing any of that? No, not at this point. I spent a lot of time, like in our first pregnancy, doing a lot of research doing like the hypnobirthing courses, kind of doing a lot. And this pregnancy, I'm basically like, you know what? My body is so smart. My baby knows. My baby knows how to be born. My baby knows how to grow. My body knows how to grow it. Like I'm healthy, I'm capable, you know, and and I have an amazing care provider and I have the best support team and I don't need anything else. And that's just how I feel about this pregnancy. I just feel really, it's going to be great. And I don't need education about it because I'm just, I'm really trusting everything in this. Yeah. And it's a really cool feeling. It is. To not want to be like, I don't know, knowing everything and ticking all the boxes yeah. and checking on things. And I'm like, things are just going to do what they do and they're going to be what they are. And it's going to be amazing. Yes, exactly. That That is an amazing feeling just to trust your body and to go, well, what will happen will happen. And obviously you've done, as you said, you've done all your education, you've done all your research 
with your son, basically. So every birth is different, obviously, but you've got you've got the education behind you, and as you said, you know it will be led by your body, really, and the the moment, and you will see how it will all unfold. I guess, which is so exciting. Are you due at the end of the year? It's spring, so it'll be a September October baby, depending on when they want to turn up. That's amazing. Oh, that is amazing. Wow. And um, so how are you thinking about breastfeeding? Because you might be tandem feeding maybe. You might still have a, a toddler attached and, and a newborn who actually needs milk as well maybe. Yeah, 100%. So because some children, when, when it changes back to colostrum, they do wean themselves anyway because it tastes yeah. saltier. So we'll just see whether or not yeah. he wants to wean like towards the third trimester and things like yeah. that. But if not, then I plan to tandem feed my babe, um, and I'd really love to do that. Yeah, we'll just see how that all works out. I mean, I also plan to breastfeed during labour, um, <laughs> if that's a thing for me. Wow. But, um, yeah, that's, that's you know, I'm like, well, which is also a really interesting discussion because, like, I asked my midwife this, have you ever had a woman who said during labour, and she said actually a lot of women who I've, um, cared for have weaned their baby before labor or like mm-hmm. before their, their birth um, and then they've actually like reattached or like restarted breastfeeding with their baby after mm-hmm. the birth so like then they'll reattach their toddler and yep. their newborn at the same time so they'll end up tandem feeding but she's like yeah I've never supported someone who's been breastfeeding during labor and birth so yeah that'll be a really interesting thing that would be great for your oxytocin actually to to get that oxytocin flowing feeding would be amazing for that mm, absolutely i mean it's that's that's the whole thing of it right yeah. like it's, it's pure oxytocin like when when you're feeding it that's the whole thing so i i assume i mean apart from if i'm gonna be i think if i'm not in my own space too much it will be helpful in a sense i've i mean if you think about what oxytocin does during mm-hmm. labor and birth I can only imagine it's going to help progress it. You know, if you think about how they put you on syntocin, which is your fake yep. oxytocin to progress your labor. I mean, isn't this just my natural yep. <laughs> my natural one? Yep. So, like, lucky me, I've got basically like a drip of oxytocin over here that I can use and, and that will likely help progress it and or increase the the sensations that I'm feeling. But, yeah, I'm, I'm, I feel like tandem feeding is a really cool thing because, I had a lot of trouble with mastitis um, and breastfeeding. Um, and obviously, like, I didn't have a great milk supply at the start. Mm-hmm. But if my toddler is still feeding, their suck yep. reflex is a hell of a lot better than a newborn who's learning. So, like, yep. he's just going to further progress my milk supply, which I'm like, this is fantastic. It's literally like an inbuilt system to help me have a really positive breastfeeding journey with my second baby. So yep. I'm like, use use what you've got. Use, you know, the, the beauty of nature and... Um, and, and just let it help you. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right. So you obviously plan on having him in your birth space during labour and, and during potentially the birth as well. Is he understanding that he's getting a sibling? What What is going on in his little mind, I guess? He definitely understands. I've included him in everything. So he's come to the yeah. – he went to the 20-week scan with us and I've showed him pictures of what he looked like in his ultrasound. Mm-hmm. I've showed him pictures of me pregnant, like with him and my changing mm-hmm. body. And then I've shown him pictures like well, in my body now, basically. I He comes to like, I mean, the midwife comes here. So like the midwife yeah. and, and 
uh, my son have like always are together and we talk to him that he's involved because he is like it's his family growing too it's his sibling it's you know it's his mum it's his family so um it's been a really important thing for me to make sure that he's 100 percent involved in every aspect of this pregnancy and he understands it like completely (laughs) in my opinion like you know i mean i don't know to the extent of understanding in terms of like he's getting a small baby um but he definitely realizes that there's a human being that's going to grow inside me just mm-hmm. like he did mm-hmm. and then mummy's going to birth that babe and then yeah. we're going to end up with a plus one basically I'm like <laughs> we end up with someone that's just going to come along with us everywhere like we're just going to have a, a best mate you know oh, we're just going to turn up in life and and we'll just go along all together oh that's amazing do you know yeah. what you're having so and like he does he does the blood pressure <laughs> and the doctor for me when the midwife comes so cute so he you know he's like oh i've got to find we we call the baby puffer don't we do you want to come and say what you know about your little do you want to tell alicia all right you come and say where's puffer oh yeah we call the baby puffer nice you you don't know what you're having that's the nickname and do you think it's a baby girl or a baby boy baby girl. Oh. i don't know but he thinks it's a baby girl Okay. you're going to have a little sister. Is that right? Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. And oh, what else do you do with the midwife? What do you do with Sulka? Maybe look for the heartbeat. Uh-huh. That's right. And then you do mummy's blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Did I ask Sulka what it is? Yeah, you did ask her what it was, didn't you? She said it was a blood pressure thing. He thought it was a phone. <laughs> He said, I think this this blood pressure cuff is a phone because oh, <laughs> with all the little numbers on it and that. Oh, yes. <laughs> so he funny. thought it was a phone. But oh, the steg- stegmometer, 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 that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty good for a two-and-a-half-year-old, yeah. Yeah, so I I think he's that's pretty good. He's, he's, yeah, he's pretty, like, pretty well understanding from my opinion of yep, what's going yeah. on. And so how do you feel about him being in the birth space? You, you obviously yeah, I do plan, I plan to have him in my birth space. Yeah, right. Again, like, I think, I don't know, I really, I think it's really important. And I can't say that, like, it's going to be 100% okay because, like, he might not be receptive to it. He might mm. see me and go, like what is this you know like this is not my my mum doesn't look anything like my normal mum like what's Mm, she doing what's she going through and I mean who knows like he he might really not enjoy that or he might be too distracting for me whatever but at this time until that is evident yeah he's gonna be there and I wouldn't I would never yeah I don't know I would I would just never ever think not to and that's just my feeling I'm like it's his it's his baby too you know I feel like it's as important I feel like it's as important as the father of the child being there like that mm-hmm. is his babe you know like I'm like we're all in this together and that's I've always just felt that no I think you know if you can have them see it all yep. it's an easier transition in a sense rather than like a, I can't understand how hard it would be for a small child to lose their mum and dad for a day or two or three or whatever however many days that birth Mm. takes and then return with this small thing Mm. you know and like you're being reintroduced in a different environment and I for me that doesn't really feel right and that's Mm. just me yeah yeah no that's right that is um I think it's it's hard to explain to your 
you know, toddler, young child, infant, you know, the concept of having a sibling. But I think when you have a home birth and they can see it or they can see, you know, mom in labor and they can see the midwife being there and they, and as you said, you know, he's been involved with the midwife. He knows your midwife really well. So when she turns up on the day of labor, it it will just be like, oh, well, the midwife is here and she's helping mommy. That makes sense. And then whether he actually sees the sibling being born or not is irrelevant because at some point very soon after the birth, he will just be introduced to his sibling and it will just be like, oh, okay, well, this is Puffer, basically. This is what Puffer looks like. And Puffer may be a boy or a girl. Who knows? Yeah, and I think that's right. Like, you know, the midwife is going to be very well connected with him by the time birth comes around. His dad will be there. His grandma will be there, potentially his granddad and um, and my my mother-in-law, his nanny. So there'll be a lot of people that will be around him that he loves, trusts, knows, as well as obviously me. So I think I think it's all gonna work out. Like I I feel like it's gonna work out. And I had a very strong feeling with the first birth that I was gonna have like a baby quite early in the morning, like four a.m. ish. So I have this feeling that he's gonna be asleep. For the yep. duration, like for most of it, and then mm-hmm. he usually wakes up between four and four thirty in the morning. So I'm like, he'll likely wake up and be like, "Oh, what's going on, mum? <laughs> Had a baby? That's nice for you." <laughs> well, oh, that'd cool. be funny. <laughs> that would be like. so funny. I'm really excited for it. Like, I I just think it's going to be so cool. It will be. How did your family react when you said you wanted a home birth? Were there any, you know? negative opinions about that yeah I've always been like pretty strong willed and strong opinioned kind of whatever I say everyone's pretty receptive to because they're like hey whatever she says is kind of what it's going to be and I had said in the first pregnancy I actually wanted a home birth but unfortunately at the time my partner just was not even close to being receptive to that Mm -hmm. and so I think you know as soon as we fell pregnant with this baby he knew that's what was coming and I think everyone else did too and I think it's good that you um, you didn't push for home yeah, birth that- when your partner wasn't ready for it because obviously you need you need a strong support network and your partner is the is one of the most essential part of that. So, you know, him being on board this time is everything and it will obviously he will support you the best he can and he obviously now understands that a home birth is safe or whatever apprehension he had are probably gone now. And you've probably explained to him all the evidence behind it and how safe it can be in a low-risk pregnancy and so on, I'm guessing. Actually, I did a lot of that in the first and it didn't didn't get him. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, I'll give you here's the numbers, man. I'll give him all the numbers, you know? And he was still like, no, no chance, no way, no oh. how. Oh, okay. But this time he met the, the midwife and um, he was like, I trust her. Like, I believe her. Okay. I trust her that she's going to keep, you know, your safety and the baby's safety as, as first and foremost. And I trust you. Like, you're not going to do anything ridiculous that's going to mm. hurt yourself or hurt our child. And I know that this is what you wanted to do originally. And I know that the last birth was average. And yeah, I think that's just, I think all of it, like a, a combination of all of the things um, has helped yeah. him kind of agree to it this, this time yeah. yeah, that makes sense. Oh, well, that's... That's great. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy that everything is working out and and you're just going with the flow, basically. Obviously, you've done all your research. You know what you're doing. And it's only, what, a few months away now before your 
your new baby comes along and Puffer is here. And that is so exciting to be growing your family and to see where it takes you. That's it. It is very exciting. And it's a, it's a completely different feeling than the first pregnancy and birth where I sort of felt like every time I saw my midwife, I'd have to go in with my research and my like, yeah. hey, I know this and like, you know, this is the reason why and here's why I feel this way. And, you know, like, whereas this time I'm just like, cool, like, what's up this week? Let's have a cup of tea. Yeah. Did you have a nice week? I did. That's great. <laughs> you know, That's take bundle height, take blood pressure. See you next time. Like, I don't know. It's just, I, I think when someone completely trusts you and you trust the other person, it doesn't really matter anymore. Yeah, yeah, there is that trust relationship and that's that's everything you need in birth. You need a provider that will trust you and trust your body to birth actually so they're not putting a time limit or they're not saying you need to have this baby out now or you need to do this or you need to have syntocin. They're just watching you, watching out for anything but otherwise stepping back and letting you labour and birth really because we know that a woman – you know, low-risk healthy pregnancy can birth on their own without any interventions. And we know that's completely safe, obviously, depending on, you know, circumstances and all of that. This is toddler life. Hang on a second after run after my child. <laughs> well, I think we've said everything anyway. So I think we can uh, we can finish it off if you want and uh, and you can get back to toddler life. I think that's a good idea. Wrap it up right here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I think we've said everything. So um, thank you so much for coming back and, you know, finishing this episode. That is great. And Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. And I, I wish you all the best. Good luck for your birth, you know, best of luck for this new parenting journey. And uh, so I look forward to hearing about it, you know, if you – if you flick me an email, let me know what's what's happened, and you know, we, you know, I'd love to know how it unfolded and all of that. So yeah, keep in touch. Absolutely, I'd love to. I, I would love to share a positive birth story with you uh, <laughs> in the coming months. <laughs> I hope you do. I wish you that. I wish you that. Yes, perfect. Well, I'll leave you to it, Carla. Thank you Thank so you. much. Um, have a great morning. Enjoy uh, Thanks, running after your toddler. Will do. Thanks, Lisa. Thank Bye. you, Carla. See you. Bye. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you want to get notified of when a new episode comes out, please subscribe to this show on your podcast listening platform. Also, I would really appreciate it if you could leave me a review on Apple Podcast or share this episode so that other mom can find it. If you would like to tell your own pregnancy, birth or parenting story, please head to the show notes and you will find a form there to get in touch with me. Again, thank you so much for listening and I will be with you again next week for a new episode.